Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Jermaine, if you will, go ahead and bring up the house lights. Uh, we have been in a, uh, we're in the, actually last night was the second night of a uh, three-day youth conference that we've been uh, able to be involved in. It's a parish-wide conference with several different churches involved. It's, it's being held out at Crossroads Baptist Church. And uh, last night was the second night. But anyway, they started off with some testimonies, and I just thought it was so awesome uh, where their church, the church where the speaker is from, their pastor got up and challenged them to do a, a he did a, what they called a testimony challenge, where they videoed themselves sharing their testimony, their encounter with Jesus, what changed their life, and uh, just a short, you know, little clip of them telling what it was, and they posted it on social media and just allowed it to do uh, what it would. And, and one of them, as a matter of fact, uh, most of you know him, Bob Wallace is one of them. Uh, that did it. He did his testimony, and last night he shared the testimony of what happened, and he said, uh, he posted the video on, on uh, what, Saturday night, I think. I may get the days wrong, but, and then the very next day, because I think it was Sunday night, he had a woman, or a lady message him on Facebook, someone that, you know, he had known for a long time. Anyway, she messaged him and said that she had just been in such a struggle of just really believing in her own salvation, of really just buying into the fact that of, of she just didn't have the certainty that she wanted to have. And from watching his video, it was just a moment of coming back to that certainty, of remembering what the conversion was like and all those types of things. It was so awesome. And then almost, I don't remember how long, do you remember how long it was? Months later, uh, several months later, he got a message from someone that he hadn't seen since high school. So they went to high school together, but since then, I lost touch and never talked. And that guy messaged him as well and said, I happened to come across your video on Facebook and immediately gave my life to Christ after seeing your story and what happened in, in your life. And I just thought, man, that's so awesome. Uh, because I feel like for so many times, social media gets a bad rap. But in reality, there's nothing wrong with social media. There's just wrong with y'all that make it wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to get on to nobody this morning. Well, the reason I'm saying that is, for one, I would like to challenge some of you to share your story. Video your story. What happened to you? Because I feel like we spend a lot of time on social media just wasting time. We're not being productive. And the Bible actually says that we'll be judged for every idle word. That means Facebook, too. All that idle junk that you just leave out there. But what if we begin to put our story out there? What if we begin to put out what Jesus did in our lives and begin to see the response and the possibilities that could come from, from that type of thing? So I wanted, to, I wanted to just challenge you in that area. I plan on doing mine, I hope, this week uh, to just get it out there. Share your story. Your story is unique. It's your story. No one can come against your story because it's yours. It was your conversion. It was your encounter with Jesus. Uh, in light of that, I want, to, I want to somewhat do a social media push for here at Life Church. Every Sunday morning, we stream our services here live, and i have always getting people telling me, man, it was so awesome to be able to see the message Sunday morning. It was so awesome to be there when I couldn't be there, or I'm away, or whatever, or even people we know in Texas who are tuning in and watching. So on Sunday mornings, if you have a Facebook, uh, on Sunday mornings when we get ready to go in the Word, that thing's going live on Life Church Facebook page. So if you're not already on, or a friend, or follow, or however you do that, uh, with our page, go follow it, go friend it, and go share it. And see how many people, your, chances are you have hundreds, 
hundreds of friends on Facebook. Probably only have three in real life, but you have hundreds on Facebook. <laughs> Some of y'all catch that in a minute. Uh, and this is an opportunity for them to hear the gospel that's coming for, the message that's coming for. So it's a really awesome thing. And lastly, before I get into this, we've started something here. Uh, those of you that don't know, we have a, uh, a podcast channel. You can go on SoundCloud or iTunes, and you can search Life Church of Columbia, and it will pull up every sermon we've preached, uh, it, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so you can go back and listen to all of them. You can send someone else to go listen to a message that really meant a lot to you or whatever. Uh, opportunities for people to hear the message that's being brought forth. With that, we started something a little extra. We started something called Connect Series that's on our podcast channel. If you go to our channel, you'll notice it. It has a big logo and says Connect Series, and you know what it is. Where I have started sitting down with leaders in this church and just interviewing them. You hear their heart. You hear their desires. You hear what they want in ministry. You hear their life story. You hear how they got in ministry. It's all kinds of just amazing stuff. So if you get a chance this week, go look us up on the podcast channel. Go listen to a Connect Series. Uh, this is just some awesome stuff coming out of this, and uh, I just want to take the opportunity to share it with you guys. So, this morning, though, I want to talk to you about the importance of goals. I want to talk to you about your goals, the importance of having a vision, a goal, or a mark, if you will. And I also want to deal a little bit with how your community plays an important role in reaching that goal. That, that everything that we're after, the people that are around you, play a huge part in that. And I want to set this up by letting you know exactly how God began to give me this message. A couple of days ago, I was at the gym on the treadmill, and I was pushing myself to get a killer run in. Before I just, uh, so before I decided to set a goal, before I went into this run, before my workout, I decided I'm going to set a goal of how far I want to go. So in this moment, I began to set this goal. I had a goal in mind and, uh, of what I wanted to do before I quit running. So I set my speed, and I planned to gradually increase that speed until I found a pace that I could keep, but also that would make me have to work. As I began this run, for some crazy reason, I decided to hit the incline button, which was a terrible idea. This was only making the goal that I had set even harder for me to get to. But despite the unplanned change during my journey, I chose to stay the course. I wouldn't let myself change the goal. After I'd been running for a good distance with the incline, I felt my legs just wanting to quit. But I kept pushing myself, only to find myself completely out of breath, my legs feeling like they're about to cramp up, but in the moment I kept remembering I haven't reached my goal yet. The next moment for me was awesome. In this moment of, of just running and pushing myself, I, I, I began to feel like it was just too much. The speed was too much. The incline was too much. I was too out of shape. It was all adding up, and the only thing logical seemed like to quit. Just get off the treadmill. You're killing yourself. Why are you in this place? But this is what was awesome. All of a sudden, Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, lower the incline. He said, you added that yourself. When you set the goal, you didn't set the goal for the incline. You just decided out of your genius that it was a good idea to take on this new thing. Yeah, this doesn't get real, y'all. You ready? So I'm sitting there like, wow, it's so obvious. I had added something to my run that didn't have to be there, and it was only making it harder to reach my goal. 
My goal was being harder to get to purely because of things I added myself. And that reminded me of a scripture. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us... Let's try that one more time. And let us... With... The race that is set. It was set already. I set a goal before I started to run. I set something in order. This is where I was going. This is what I wanted. It was already set. But for me to get there, I would have to have some endurance. The endurance is a result of laying aside some weights. The endurance came as a result from me being smart enough to lower the incline. I chose to add something to my run that did not have to be there. And I know that God began to show me that there are some people here today who have gotten to this point in your journey and you are exhausted, you're tired, and you feel like maybe you're not in shape enough to keep the pace. But it could be just because you've added some things that weren't intended to be there. You keep thinking, well, this is just too much for me to handle. God put too much on me. No, God never gives you more than you, isn't that what the scripture tells you? He never gives you more than you can bear. So when he gives you those goals that seem ridiculous and, and, and just impossible to meet, in God's eyes, you have everything you need to meet that goal. The problem is we start adding things along the way. We start picking up some things. We start adding some friendships that we shouldn't have added. Man. So let's look here. Paul throws out, or I believe it's him. Let's deal with some obvious ones first. first he names two things here. What? Weight and sin. To me, the obvious one is sin, right? You're trying to run this race. You've got a goal set in Jesus Christ. The obvious thing that would hold you up to me would be sin. This is what sin does. Sin will fatigue you. Sin will always fatigue you. This is why. I remember growing up in high school playing basketball, and at the end of every practice, we had to do what we called suicide drills which is where you start at the baseline and you sprint to the first line on the court, you touch it, you sprint back, then you sprint to the next line, you sprint back, you sprint to the next line, you do that all the way down the court. And there is a lot of lines on a basketball court. You don't realize how many lines there are until you have to touch all of them. The first time through wasn't bad. We were in pretty good shape. All we did was play basketball. But then our coach, who just happens to be in the building this morning, I'm not going to call her out because then you all realize how mean she was when we played basketball. <laughs> She decided that, because we were missing too many free throws in the games, and anybody that knows basketball, you know free throws win games. But we were missing some, so she decided after we ran our allotted suicide drills, then we would shoot free throws. And when you miss the mark, guess what? You got to start over and run again and run again and run again and run again. And God began to remind me that the initial run is not that bad. It's when we keep missing the mark and having to start over. 
It's when we keep having to do it again and again and again. And I understand the real spiritual mindset is, well, when you mess up, you don't have to start over. God will restore you right where you are. Well, let's just be honest and say, who really does that? Or do we mess up, fall into this cycle or whatever it is, and it feels like it takes me three months to get back where I was? Am I saying that's God's design? I don't know, but that's the way I do it. And it's the way you do it. So all of a sudden, I've started all the way over again, and all the distance that I had made up, I feel like i got to make it up again. And I'm tired. I'm fatigued. Sin will fatigue you. It's not doing you any good. Paul said, lay that stuff aside. Quit going back to the weak and beggarly elements that are fatiguing you and pulling you back, and run with endurance. Run this thing to win. Paul also said, lay aside some weight. Now, this isn't sin. This is just stuff that you don't need because it's slowing you down. If I was teaching the students on Wednesday nights, this is probably where I would talk about boyfriends and girlfriends and bad relationships and social media. And then I got to realize, it's no different for y'all. So I could talk about boyfriends and girlfriends and bad relationships and social media and your job and your love for money and your... I know it's not going to be popular this morning, but it's what he gave me. So, Here's the deal, though. I'm trying to get somewhere, so we're not going to spend a bunch of time on this. But you have to understand that when you come into this thing, when you begin this journey, there are some things you're going to have to lay down if you want to run it yes, with endurance. Yes, There's probably some things you could name right now. Fill in the blank for your own life. What are you holding on to? It's got you running slower. What sled are you dragging? What past mistake are you still holding on to? What failure is still holding on to you? Some of us, I've seen these, these athletes. Man, athletes are awesome. I wish I was an athlete. But I've seen these guys that will strap parachutes to their back and sprint with them. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> I don't like sprinting without a parachute. But it's resistance. See, some of you are running your Christian life with a parachute on your back. And it's nothing but resistance just pulling you. It's you not let going the past. It's you holding on to what you used to be and what you used to do and what you said the other day. And all these things become a part of us. And instead of just laying it down so I could run and be effective, I choose to run with this parachute on. And it's just pulling me back. And I'm a lot more tired than I should be. How many times have you ran into somebody and said, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm just wore out. Oh, really? Why are you wore out? Well, I don't really know. I'm just tired. Maybe it's because you're carrying around a whole lot of weight that you weren't intended to carry around, and you can't put your finger on what's wearing you out because it's not in the natural. It's not because you work so hard. It's because you're holding on to stuff. You're holding on to stuff that has to be laid down because we're in a race. Whether you want to be or not, you're in it. So what's holding you back? What's your incline? When you started your race, what was causing you to hit the incline button? Mm. Okay, back to me on the treadmill. Even after lowering the incline, I continued to push myself and push the pace. I was determined to get to my goal, but I could feel myself starting to slow down again. 
even after laying aside the weight, doing away with the incline, I found myself in a place where I was starting to slow down again. I mean, I've, I've been running for a while now. And another awesome moment happened where Holy Spirit highlighted something to me that was on the screen of the treadmill. And it was a little blinking dot. Any of you that have ever ran on a treadmill, you know what I'm talking about. And it's making laps every time while you're running. And all of a sudden, it, just, it was like it was so bright, and I began to look at that blinking dot, and it was showing me how far I'd been. It was showing me how far I ran. But most importantly, it was showing me how close I was to my goal. And what was amazing is that in that moment, all of a sudden, I found an energy to make it to the goal that I didn't have before I seen how close I was. When I could see the goal, I didn't all of a sudden get more ability. I didn't all of a sudden get in shape. I didn't all of a sudden take on something that wasn't already in me. But seeing the goal stirred something within me to press towards what I was so close to. So the importance of having a goal in your life is that sometimes you have to stop and look at where your goal is. And when you begin to see how close you are, the goal itself will be the motivation that pushes me on. So why is it so important to have a goal? Well, without a goal, what's going to motivate you to push on? What are you even running towards? It would be like showing up to a race and there not be a finish line. No track. They just say, all right, run. To where? I remember in track in school, they always told you, never look to either lane beside you. Never look behind you. Only look at the finish line. Only look at the finish line. Anytime we start taking our eyes off the goal, we begin to slow down. We begin to pull back. Uh, I think it was Colby that brought him up this morning. When Peter had his eyes on the goal, he was walking with endurance on the, on, on the water. But when he began to look around, when he began to look around, there became weight and he began to sink. Some of you haven't set a goal in your journey and you're just running around. You don't know what to do. You don't know who to talk to. You don't know where to go. You're just, you're just running all over the place. And if there's no finish line, you're going to fatigue and you're going to wear out because you don't have a clue where you're going. The goal is important. I know you've all heard the term, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And most of the time, that light becomes the motivation to finish whatever it is you're doing. When you're about to give up, and someone says, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. All of a sudden it's, all right, let's go. Let's finish this thing. Let's press on to this thing. When we don't have a goal, it's easy to stop because we feel like we haven't really lost anything. If you haven't set a goal, then you can quit and there's no loss. So I feel like most of the time in Christianity, we don't set goals just for this reason. Just so I don't have to experience the failure of not making it to the goal. So I would rather just not set one at all instead of coming up short of the one that I set. No one likes to feel defeated. No one. And our hatred for feeling defeated a lot of times rids us of a goal. And we would just rather not even set one. 
Philippians 3, Paul said, Not that I have already attained or am already perfect, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind me. I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love some of the terminology he uses here. I follow after, apprehend, I press towards the mark, I'm reaching forward. None of these are passive terms. None of these are, let's just hope it happens. All of these require effort. All of these require something on my part. All of these require a goal. If Paul didn't have a goal, what would he be reaching towards? What would he be pressing for? What would be the prize if there was no goal already set in his life? Paul kept saying, I press toward. This is the term that just stuck out to me the most. Does your Christian walk feel like you're pressing towards something? Or does it feel like you're floating around with no real purpose, no direction? No target, no goal, no prize in mind. Are we just going through every day of our life hoping that something godly happens? Hoping that God just puts us in a conversation and makes God come up in the conversation and we get a chance to witness? Is that not what most of our Christian lives look like? We're just floating around hoping that the perfect opportunity comes along to where it's just obvious and we take, we take it. When Paul said, no, that's, that's not how this is working. The way this works is, I've set a goal, and I am pressing towards something. I am putting effort into apprehending that which has already apprehended me. I want you to look at this. Not that. Or that. There we go. A goal is the end to which effort is directed pretty obvious. But I love this because effort actually breaks down to mean works. And we know that James taught us faith without works is useless. It's no good. It doesn't do anything for you. So in reality, what James was telling us was faith without effort won't take you anywhere. Faith without effort won't do anything for you. And what's crazy is we get into this Christianity and we get on this journey and we don't want to, it to require any effort out of us. We want to sit on a pew and someone tell us how to do it, where to do it, when to do it. We want our outreach pastor to set up the perfect outreach to where when we're out there it's just set up and we get to witness and we get to do this. We want our missions director to set it up to where they'll take us overseas and put us in the right place and put us with the right people and tell us what to say. And I'm not against any of those things. Those are things we're fixing to do all year long. But what goals have you set? What goals are set for your personal everyday life? When's the last time you got up in the morning and set a goal for that day? When's the last time you got up that morning and said, you know what, I'm going to press towards the prize today. I'm going to press towards the calling. I'm going to give it some effort today. I'm actually going to get out there and do something. I have a goal set. 
In 1 Corinthians 9 is where Paul talks about everyone runs a race, but not everyone gets a prize. You know who gets the prize? The one that runs to win. Are we really running this thing to win it? Are we running this thing to hope we don't end up in hell? I want to put so much effort into this, and we're so scared of that word because everybody's scared that we're going to be doing it in our own strength and we're going to be doing it in our own abilities, and, and, and I understand all the fear of that, but I also understand that all the faith doesn't do me any good without my efforts co-laboring with that faith. You can pray all day long, God, let me witness to someone, but if you don't go find someone, you're not going to get to witness. What's your goal? What's the prize? Paul said, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing, but I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. When's the last time I disciplined myself spiritually? When's the last time I said, you know what? In my journey with Christ, this is my goal. This is what I want to see. This is what I want to accomplish. This is what I want to do. And I will do whatever necessary to make sure that I get there. Recently, we were, we were doing a small group with, with some of the teenagers. And uh, the, the small group went, turned and went in the direction of consistency and the power of consistency. And Colby made a statement to the, to the students he said, we preach grace and mercy and we believe in the goodness of God and how he will reset you and restart you. He said, but we've done it so much, we've lost the consistency because we've created such a mindset that, oh, well, if I mess up, God will just start me over tomorrow. And that's become the, that's become the mindset. Oh, well, if we don't make it, we'll start over tomorrow. Instead of coming to the place that Paul is talking about where I set a goal for myself, I set a goal in Christ. I set a goal for that day, and I do whatever it takes, whatever necessary to reach that goal. He said, I discipline myself. Have we become so spiritual that we don't set goals? Brother, I just, I get up in the morning, I pray that God would lead me, and wherever he leads me, that must have been his will. Well, did you witness to someone that day? Because I promise that's his will. And if you didn't use an opportunity to share or invest into someone, then you weren't operating in his will. But we super spiritualize it. And we just say, oh, well, he's going to lead me where, where I'm supposed to go. We even make it real scriptural and say the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And all that's true. But we've taken it all and used it as an excuse not to push ourselves. We've taken it and used an excuse of why I don't set a goal and why I don't pursue this and why I don't discipline myself. Why I don't push myself into this place. This, this idea that I just float around and wherever I land is God's will, it's not only crazy, it's lazy. It's lazy Christianity. To just assume that we're going to float around and land where we're supposed to land. Paul wasn't floating anywhere. Paul was pressing in. He had a goal. He had a determination. He was willing to discipline himself to make sure he made it to that place. 
Are we disciplined in our goal? Or do we even have a goal? God called Paul to the ministry, and he fulfilled his part. He even sent Barnabas to kick off Paul's ministry. But the effectiveness and the potential of Paul's ministry was based on his willingness to press towards the mark. Some of you, it's been spoken over that you will have awesome ministry. And you're sitting there waiting on God to birth this awesome ministry. But in reality, God has done what he was supposed to do. He put his spirit in you. He gave you the ministry you were supposed to start. Now it's your job to set a goal and go get it. Go get it. When I first moved up here and, and, and started working with the youth, I was working in, in, in the woods. Uh, I was driving a skitter for a logging company here in town. And you can ask my wife, majority of the time we were gone from daylight to dark. It's just the way it is. And you try to do that as much as you can because you never know when you're going to be home for 12 weeks or what it seems like. But that was, the way we, that was the way it worked. I was gone that much. But I had a goal in mind to reach some students. I had a goal. So I remember going to work, getting home late, coming straight to the office, studying, pursuing God, going after the word that he had to him, finding ways to work my way into the school system and get in there and start things and be with the kids. Even, even with still trying to take care of the family at home and working a full-time job and trying to deal with the youth. In that time, we started a, a, a student program in the high school that grew to running over half the high school. They were coming every month to hear the gospel and to be ministered to. Why? Because I set a goal. And I said, God, I'm not going to sit around and wait on every circumstance to be right and everything to be perfect. I'm not going to wait on you to put me into full-time ministry. I'm not going to wait on you to open all the doors. God, I'm going to start pressing towards something because you've given it to me. But we're waiting. We get saved and we just wait and we wait, and we wait, and you wait, and you never press towards anything. You never push into anything. I had a goal, a desire within me to be in full-time ministry. So what was the pressing? I began to ask God, that's my goal, that's what I want, that's what I'm after. I want to have that ability to spend all my time investing into these students, going after our high school. God began to lead me. Witness to every person on your job. Every person you work with should hear the gospel come from your mouth. So I began to press in. I got blessed to be on a job where the, a pastor owned it. So every morning we started with, they would read a scripture, and they would say a prayer. So that became my first in. I began to ask Willie, hey, let me read this morning. And I'd find just scriptures of the gospel. And I'd read it and begin to share with them guys, all these big manly loggers out there and just little old me looked like a punk back then with my long shaggy hair and stupid clothes and all that I'm standing in the middle of these guys don't be looking at my ankles I seen you so I'm standing in the middle of all these guys literally I can remember standing in front of them holding the bible trying to find a page and it going just so nervous god what am I going to say not only that, but the pastor, the owner of the company, standing right next to me, looking over my shoulder. A man has been preaching probably longer than I've been alive. And I'm thinking, what, what am I going to say? But because of the goal, because of my desire to share the gospel with every man on the job, I pressed in. 
And I said, you know what, I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. And I began to pull truck drivers to the side and say, man, do you know how much Jesus loves you? I begin to get guys in, at lunchtime and begin to say, hey, guys, have you heard this? Have you heard how much he loves Most of them had probably been preached to a thousand times, but not by me. And I knew that my goal was for them to hear it from me. It wasn't my job to work out the details and work out what happened. It was my job. It was my goal. It was my desire to present it to them. And I'll never forget, there was one guy left. He was, the only, he was the only guy on the crew that was my age. And for some reason, he was the hardest one. We were tight. We were good friends. And I just kept telling God, if you get us alone, if you get us away from everyone else, which I don't know why I done shared the gospel with everybody else. They knew what I was doing. Finally, one day, something happened and work trucks didn't work out right. And me and him ended up together in a work truck coming home. And I remember getting out. We're both headed to our own truck at that time, and we're going in opposite directions, and I can hear him walking away behind me the whole whole time, the Holy Spirit saying, this is your chance. Press in. This is your chance. Until finally I turned around. Hey, I got to tell you something. I just began to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. It was the moment of realizing I'm after something. I'm pressing into something. And it was the desire to reach that goal that kept motivating me to move forward, kept motivating me to press in. It was the goal. It was the goal to share the gospel. I heard a quote the other day. It said, God will always fulfill his promise to you, but he is not obligated to fulfill your potential. God's always going to give you the promise, but the potential, the magnitude of that promise lies in your desire to press forward. How bad do you want it? Do we want it? Do we only want it bad enough to show up on Sunday morning, hear what the preacher's got to say, and then the rest of the week it's just us? It's what we want to do? Or do we want it bad enough that we'll get up in the morning and say, you know what, today, today I'm setting a goal to love like Jesus. Today I'm setting a goal to share my faith. Today I'm going to press towards the mark. Have we as the church just begin to put it in autopilot and choose to coast our way into heaven? Or have we chosen to set goals and press towards them? Have we become so scared of failure that we'd rather not even try? But I'm here to tell you this morning, set a goal and give it everything you have. Give yourself completely to it. Holy, everything you have. The disciples failed. They said the wrong thing. They did the wrong thing. They came up short. But you know how we know they came up short? Because we know they had a goal. They know that Jesus had set the standard of how to live a life. And when they didn't live to that standard, we can read in Scripture and see when they didn't reach the goal. We can see what it looks like. God began to show me this this next Scripture in 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 a totally different sense than I've ever looked at it and begin to show me the everyday application of this scripture. Psalms 119.11, you've heard it a million times. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against God. And God began to show me how this relates to what we're talking about tomorrow. The goal of the psalmist was to not sin against God. So what was the pressing? It's to hide his word in my heart. I feel like a lot of people live in what we call sin cycles because you've never actually set the goal to not sin. You've always just assumed that this is the way it's always going to be and 
And I'll probably always sin, and I'll always mess up, and I'll always, 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 which is so unbiblical, it's ridiculous. It's such a theory that we've bought into that we'd be torn down with Scripture like that. But we've just bought into it. And we've never gotten up that day and said, you know what, God? Today my goal is not to sin against you. That's my goal. That's my desire, and I'll press towards it. I'll hide your word in my heart. I'll meditate on it. I'll do whatever it takes to reach this goal. I've never before seen this scripture like this, and it just so began to convict me, and it began to work on me in my own life of setting personal goals every single day. The goal is imperative. You have no idea how many times me and Colby have sat in my office and been disappointed that we didn't reach the goal that day. And you may be thinking, oh, that's terrible. That's, that's living in condemnation. No, it's not. It's living with a goal. It's living with a desire. It's living with the ability to press forward into something. And there's days where we sit down in the office and say, you know what? I didn't really love like Jesus today. I didn't really meet that goal today. And it motivates us and it pushes us into a place of prayer. It pushes us into a place of studying his scripture because there's a desire, there's a goal, there's a prize of a higher calling that Paul talked about. And it motivates us into a place. The goal motivates us. You can say it's condemnation if you want, but I beg to differ. I say it's motivation. It's motivation. If we never admit that we've missed the goal, we'll never do what it takes to make it. We were talking about this in the office the other day, and I said, it would be as if you got out there with your bow, and you just begin to shoot out into nothing. You would never know if you were on or if you were off. You would never shoot high or low or, or whatever. If there's no target, there's no possible way to know if you're doing it right. There's no way to know if you're on target or if you're making your goal if there's nothing that you're centered on and you're going after. But when you have that target and you hit to the right, you can begin to say, okay, I need to move it this way. I need to turn left a little. I need to turn left. I need to turn right. Whatever it may be, we have to get to this place. But never in those moments of us being disappointed in the fact that we came up short or we missed our goal, never once did we consider quitting. Never once have we thought the answer would be to stop. <laughs> in our last Connect series, I was we were talking with Colby, and he made a statement, and it just so stuck with me. And I know he didn't come up with this. It's way too good. <laughs> but he said, how did you word that? Uh... Man, I should have wrote that down. <laughs> it was never, he said, in our, in our everyday jobs where we work, we make mistakes sometimes and we do the wrong thing. You don't go to your boss and quit. Oh, man, I pff, missed it today, man. I knocked over a $2,000 toolbox and tore it all to pieces. I'm not calling you out or nothing, but you know what I mean? But we don't, go to our, we don't go to our boss and quit. Well, how come is it that in our spiritual life, we set this goal and we go for it and we come up short and we fall, so our only option is, well, I might as well just back off and quit. I might as well give up. What if the disciples would have done that? Because they messed up royally. And yet, they're the ones that got to father the first church in Acts. Why? Because they had a goal. They had a standard set, and it's what they were after. Man, we have to be so after something that we'll push ourselves into that place. 
me and Colby sitting in that office talking about our goals and being honest with each other of not meeting them. And, 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 and I, I even want to just be a little vulnerable with you before I move into this next place. And one of the things we begin to talk about is we begin to remember all the amazing things we've seen happen in our youth group. Just moments of just God doing awesome things that all you can describe it by is God showed up and did it. And Colby asked a very sobering question and said, did we steward that well? I mean, the goal was to make them disciples and make them live like Jesus, not to just give them one encounter. So we begin to ask, did we steward this well? Did we handle this right when they had these? And us both having to be honest with each other and say, no, we didn't. We didn't steward it right. We, we didn't set up the discipleship right. We didn't, we didn't do something right because they encountered God. But it, it, it fell. It went off. And in that, we begin to challenge one another. And in that, I begin to see the importance of community and family that you choose to connect with and how that plays such a big part in reaching your goal. And in that, I begin to realize that when you really find your people, you'll really reach your goal. You'll really get to that place of realizing, man, this is what I was supposed to do. This was the goal that was set for my life. So let's be honest here. Have you ever got up in the morning and decided that you were going to fast that day? And then a little bit later on in the day, you know, like 8 o'clock at night, or for some of you, maybe 10.30 that, that morning, you get really hungry. You're just, man, I'm hungry, bro. I haven't eaten since six hours ago, or for Colby, two hours ago. You're just so hungry, and then, then if you're like my little sister, you get hangry. You know, where you're so hungry, you're angry. And nobody likes to be around you. But you get to this point, and you're so hungry, and you just want to eat. So your first thought, and I'm fixing to read all your mail. You ready? Well, I could just eat, because nobody really knows I'm fasting. Mm-hmm. You've all said it. You've all said it, every one of you. Nobody knew I was going to fast today, so I mean, if I ate, I could just fast tomorrow. But see, this is where community comes in. What if you get up that morning and call someone, hey, we're going to fast today. We ain't going to eat today. All right? Then 1030 rolls around, and you get hungry, and you're thinking, you know what, I, I need to eat. Then you're going to remember, wait a second, if I eat, they're going to ask me about it. And I don't want to have to lie about it, because it's bad enough to lie, but then it's really bad to lie about fasting. So all of a sudden, being in that community, is that the right reason to stick to a fast? You call that. But has it made me stick to a fast in the past? Yes, it has. And it's the beauty of family, it's the beauty of a community, that we begin to come to a place where we're willing to challenge one another. We're willing to push one another towards the goal. The community around you should know your goals so that they can encourage and challenge you to reach them. Don't set goals that your family don't know about. Let them in. Let them know this is what I'm after. So keep me on course. Keep me on, on track. Me and, me and Colby made a commitment a little while back that we were going to meet here every morning at 545 and pray. Every morning. So we started this thing out and it was awesome. And I remember several mornings my alarm would go off. No. I would just lay there, and all of a sudden I would hear Colby's loud, stupid truck <laughs> crank up. I'm like, ah, oh, dang it, he got up. 
Well, if he got up, I better get up. And I'm not even kidding you. It was sometimes in those moments when I would hear his truck come by, I would remember, man, we set a goal. We had something we were after. And it didn't condemn me. It challenged my priorities. Our relationship began to challenge my, what was more important to me? What was more important in my priorities? Reaching this goal, coming over here and getting into prayer, or sleeping another 45 minutes, an hour, whatever, three hours. (laughs) It began to challenge me. And I began to realize that our relationship in this community challenged my apathy. Some of us have become so apathetic because you don't have anyone around you challenging it. Dad, uh, those of y'all that have seen all the stuff he's going, he's lost like 2,000 pounds or something like that. And uh, he's been working really hard, and he's lost a lot of weight. And the other day, me and him were doing some work around the church, and he said, Josh, if you see me getting fat again, I want you to kick me so hard. And I cannot wait. (laughs) I'm buying donuts. I'm sending stuff to his house. No, he began to say, if I begin to leave my goal, if I begin to lose sight of what I'm after, rebuke me. Man, we don't use that, church, that term no more. But when true family, if you have family, it's your responsibility to make sure your brother stays on the course. It's your responsibility to remind them we have a goal. In our office, we have a a bulletin board right before you walk out the door, and I'm always changing the saying on it. And it's always something in there to remind us of where we're at and where we're headed. It's always something to challenge us. Never lose your wonder. Never lose your motivation. Never lose the desire. Never lose sight of the goal. All those types of things that just keeps reminding us we're after something. Don't lose sight of it. Let's let's deal with this scripture, and, and, and we'll get out of here. I do want to make this statement. And I don't mean this harshly or anything like that. I mean this so honestly. This is, this is the statement that I believe God gave me in prayer. If you feel the need to defend yourself against someone else's lifestyle, chances are you're apathetic. If them not even saying anything to you, just their lifestyle is offending you to the point that you feel like you need to defend it, know that passionate people offend apathetic people. Colby driving by my house that early in the morning didn't offend me. It challenged me. And it brought me into some of the greatest prayer times that I've ever experienced. Let's look at this scripture. Let us consider one another to provoke love and to good works. What does provoke mean? To stimulate or incite someone to do something. But look at this. Let's look at the synonyms for provoke. Goad, spur, prick, prod. This doesn't say, (laughs) I gotta be easy right here. This says do whatever it takes is what it says, to provoke one another to love and to good works. Remind them, man, you've lost sight of the goal. You're you're not moving in the direction that, that we know you're supposed to be. Motivate them. 
As a family, this is our responsibility to provoke one another to press towards the mark. This, doesn't, this scripture doesn't say come up with a good excuse for one another and try to make scripture back it up so it sounds religious. No, it says if you love me, then remind me that my goal is to look like Jesus, and right now I don't. Can we accept that from each other? Can you accept it if I come to you and say, you know what, you don't look like Jesus today. You're, you're not loving very well right now. Can we receive that or, or, or will that offend us? Will that offend our apathy? Will that offend the fact that I'm short of my goal right now? But he said, no, provoke one another. Drive one another. And this reminded me of an instance which I had never studied out much until this, and I began to read it in Galatians chapter 2, where Paul actually shows up and rebukes Peter. And I'm just blown away by this, because when I think of Peter, like, Peter's the man. He's the dude, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't, you don't rebuke Peter unless you're Jesus. Because Jesus did, probably more than once. We only read about once, but... But anyway, in this moment, what happened was, there was a goal. And the goal had been set, the standard had been set to reach the Gentiles. That they weren't driven by the law. They weren't driven by the Jewish culture. They were to reach the Gentiles and they were to, to go after them. Well, all of a sudden we see a scene where Peter is after the Gentiles. He's eating with them. He's fellowshipping. He's, he's, he's ministering to them. He's reaching out. Well, then James, the head guy, the disciple, the elder, the big brother, sends a group of the elite disciples over to meet with Peter. Well, when they show up, Peter begins to change his tune. All of a sudden now, Peter begins to separate himself a little. You're going to say, you know, y'all really shouldn't be doing that. Really shouldn't be acting like that, even though he was just doing it a minute ago. Well, Paul's not having it. Paul shows up and says, no. Just puts him on blast in front of everybody and says, you're not being straightforward about the truth of the gospel. You've missed the mark. You've lost sight of the goal. And you've put your own desires and your own, uh, uh, your own reputation, your own dignity. You've put your pride before the goal that we set. And he calls him out on it. And it puts Peter back on track. They don't get in a fist fight. Peter don't get offended and leave. He don't leave the church. He don't quit being a disciple. He don't give up on Christianity. He doesn't carry a grudge around. No, he says, you know what? You're right. I messed this up. I missed the goal. I missed the mark. This is what family is for. So not only is a goal important, not only is it, is it necessary, but so are the people around you. They're important and they're necessary for you to reach that goal. We need one another. I need you to be honest with me. I need brothers and sisters around me that would be honest and say, you know what? It's probably not how Jesus would have handled this. I don't need you to make excuses for me. Excuses cripple me. Excuses become weights that keep me from running the way I'm intended to run. I don't need an excuse. I need to be challenged. I need to be provoked. I need to be prodded. That's my favorite one. There's been so many times where we've had to sit down in an office or in a room and be totally honest and begin to say, you know what? We're going to step it up. If we're going to reach this goal, we're going to have to press a little harder. We're going to have to get ourselves back on track. So maybe this morning, maybe that's you. Maybe you, maybe you have set a goal 
you had a desire, you got on this journey, you started running, but somewhere along the way you've missed it. You've lost sight of that goal. You've lost sight of the prize that you were just desiring to accomplish. This morning I'm here to do you like Paul did Peter. You need to get back on track. You need to remember the goal. Maybe you've just been floating around as a Christian and you didn't realize that you needed a goal. Maybe you didn't even realize it. And I want to do this on a broad scale and a small, I think you should have a huge goal. I think you should have something you're after, something that you want to accomplish, your life. But I also think that we need to start understanding the importance of setting some daily goals. I love that scripture now. I hide your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Maybe we need to give up the morning and start setting some goals. God, I want to love well today. I don't want to do anything that wouldn't represent you today. I don't want to treat anybody the way you wouldn't treat them today. And let that be our goal and understand that we're going to have to press towards it. There's going to have to be some effort on our part to press into this place. Or even life church as a whole. What is the goal of this church? What's our desire? What do we want to see? What are we pressing after? Courtney, if you would come up and start playing. The importance of having a goal is major. There's so much to it. But also the importance of what the goal is. Our Francis Chan, a quote by Francis Chan said, my greatest fear is not to fail, but to succeed at things that don't matter. Some of you have set some goals and you're doing everything you can to reach them and when you get to heaven, they won't meet anything. They won't get you anything. They're not going to get you a better seat. They're not going to put you closer to God. It's not helping anyone around you. And you may be succeeding and you may be awesome at those things, but are you succeeding and are you getting and reaching goals in the Spirit? And what is the goal? What is the goal that we're after? You know, if I was to ask you the question, what was Moses' goal when they left Egypt? What was the goal? Most of you would say the promised land. But if the promised land was the goal, then why did, why did Moses say, God, if you're not going to the promised land, I'm not going? So was the goal the promised land or was the goal God? Has the goal become the blessings or has the goal become him? Maybe, maybe us as a church, maybe, maybe we've made it all about what we're going to get out of this. What we're going to receive, the blessings. The promised land was a blessing. It was just the goodness, the grace of God. Moses at one point even tells them that they're going to be delivered out of Egypt. They're going to go and worship God in the desert. He doesn't even mention the promised land. He just mentions the fact that we're going to go worship him. So this morning, on top of it all, I just couldn't get away from this idea that have, do we only build our goals around his blessings? Is the goal that if I give my tithes today, my goal is that he'll bless me with a million dollars or whatever? Or is it, man, I'm going to give today and my goal is that I'll get him. My goal is that I just get to be in his presence. Moses literally chose, he was literally willing to choose 
the barrenness, the toughness, the, 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 the agony of the desert that they were in over the blessings of the promised land if it meant he got to stay in the presence of God. So this morning, I'm, I'm not even real sure how to give this altar call. But I do know that when I was preparing this, God was showing me that there's some people who just, you're just wore out. You're fatigued. You're ready to give up. You're ready to lay it down. But God wanted me to stop by this morning and tell you, look, just lay down some stuff and press towards the goal. Don't give up. Let this morning be that blinking dot on the treadmill that's showing you I've come too far to go back now. I've come too far to give up now. I've ran and made it through too much to lay it all down now. You're too close. You're too close. So these altars are open. If you need to come and Maybe just ask God to, to, to refresh you. Refresh this moment of seeing the goal, seeing the prize, seeing the desire. Then come up here. Just be re, refocused on the goal at hand. Ask God to remind you, what is the goal? To give you the desire and the ability to press toward it. The ability to di discipline ourselves to reach this goal. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.